Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Self Confidence Project. I'm your host, Kimberly Hill. We're in a summer officially. I'm excited, excited to get out there, excited to bring you another podcast this week. Today's gonna be a juicy one, a little bit longer of a show. I've got my uh, friend Bruno coming on. We're gonna be talking about all things expectation versus reality, and that's gonna lead us into some fascinating topics. Before you dive in and listen to today's episode, if you're a brand new listener to my podcast, I wanna welcome you. I wanna say thank you for giving me a chance, for taking time out of your day to listen to my content. I hope it uh, provides you tons of value and inspires you. If you've been hanging around my podcast for a while, thank you again for being a supportive listener. Uh, If you haven't done so already, please leave me a rating and a review. It helps the show. It helps the show get out to more listeners. It helps people discover it. It helps motivate me to keep creating free content for you and talking about all things life, dating, and relationships. So pause the show, go leave me a review if you know you like my content, and then come on back and have a listen because today I'm bringing on Bruno Gabermont. He continues to inspire greatness on battlefields, in boardrooms, builds high performance leaders and organizations in every arena he enters. He rekindles and sparks greatness, bridges generations, and connects those in uniform with those in power suits. Today, he's helping high profile CEOs, executives, managers, and organizations navigate a clear path to their next level of greatness. He knows sustainable peak performance is achievable. He's going to help you get there. I mean, awesome dude here we're talking about. He's even spent 15 years with the Canadian Armed Forces. He served two tours in Afghanistan, and he spent his second tour as part of an anti-explosives team in Afghanistan, a busy outfit that dealt with more than 100 IEDs, improvised explosive devices. And uh, he returned home and realized his own mental health was deteriorating. But this dude has totally turned that around, right? There is so much I can talk about in his bio here. He is a fantastic man, a fantastic husband, a fantastic friend, a fantastic coach. Uh, And we're going to kick ass talking about all things expectation and reality today. Welcome, Bruno. Welcome to the show. (laughs) How you doing? (laughs) So happy to be here, Kimbo. I love it how we just jump into it. Let's go. Okay. So um we're talking about we're kind of just gonna spitball a little bit today because that's what you and I are good at but broadly speaking for those joining and listening to the podcast we want to cover lots of different areas around like expectations that we have like for love for relationships maybe even dating we might even get to that versus reality because Well, I'm going to throw it out there that I think a lot of people work with coaches because they have a really specific expectation of what they want their relationship to look like, you know, what they want their love life to look like. And then they get the reality and there's this big gap of disappointments. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about taking care of yourself. Might even talk about kids. Um, So yeah, so that's what you can kind of expect in today's show, but we're going to jump in. I want to jump into the kids subjects because Bruno and I were talking about it right before. And, uh, to give a little context, I was, uh, I just signed on with a new doctor and because I'm 34 years of age, now everybody knows (laughs) she asked me if I wanted to have children and she kind of made me feel a little pressured in in the fact that she said, look, if you don't have kids before 35, uh, anytime you, you know, get pregnant after 35, it increases your chance of complications, your child having down syndrome. And I kind of felt scared. So l- let's talk about that because I felt, I felt a bit of pressure. 
Um, mm. And then I said, to, I said, said to Andrew, "Hey, we got to have kids in the next year." Like as a joke, and he he almost like vomited in his mouth because <laughs> <laughs> right that. That's yeah. exactly that. That got us onto this podcast today because yeah. of the reaction from Andrew yeah. and from all these things that we need to actually have a really frank discussions today. First of all, yeah. uh, you know, what we said prior to starting recording was exactly that. I'm not a big fan of doctors or <laughs> practitioners or people that are speaking from the authority frame Yeah, that they're saying, hey, you know what? Uh, th that was your first meeting. So she doesn't know you. She hasn't done any blood work. She hasn't done no. anything. She's just generalizing saying, Hey, the science says that a woman after yeah. 35, uh, you know, the chances are going down. I, I, I agree. Okay. Yeah. They've done that, but it's generalizing, right? We know that humans uh, gather information through different way, generalizing, um, deleting or distortion. Yeah. Right. So generalizing saying women, we all know example of women that do have kids at, you know, 40, 45, even 50. They have healthy kids, the natural way, no problem. So that's one of the, uh, the generalization. But we're talking about expectation. Yeah. My question to you right after that is that why do you want to have kids? Do, do you have you asked yourself the question, why do I want to have kids? Because here's the thing that I've realized speaking to men and women and couples about having kids or the expectation we have around relationship. When we enter a relationship or we enter, you know, we, we call it, I just went on, a, I'm going to call it, I call it a pilgrimage. It was a midlife crisis driving across Canada <laughs> because the thing is, is that we are now operating, right? Uh, it took me 48 years to figure that out. A lot of coaching, a lot of, you know, seminars, a lot of finding myself was, yeah. I was actually composed. My identity wasn't a true me. I was actually composed of the projection from my parents, the projection from teachers, the projection from mentors, from bosses, from friends of how they perceived me. And I took that as my identity. Yeah. The thing is, is that when we realize now we're talking about kids is that most women are pressured into having kids because it's what they're expected to do. Yeah. Right. We're going to be very, very frank here. Anybody who's listening, I'm going to, I'm going to be the bad guy today. There's this expectation of women to have these kids. There's a study right now, and you can find more than one that the happiest people on earth right now are women above 30 with zero kids, 40 with zero kids, yeah. 50 with zero kids. There's a lot of discussions about that because People go and have kids and they have the professional practitioners saying, hey, you got till you're 35. Mm -hmm. How about that pressure? You just said it yourself, man. I only got, you know, by the time you realize, you know, let's just say that you're an adult at 20, yeah. just to be fair, Canada and the States and everywhere around the world, you're an adult at 20. You yeah. got 15 years to make this life changing decision. Right. And then on top of that, you got to find the right guy. You got to buy a house, get a job, do all these things. And now we're going like, nobody sits you down and say, Hey, do you want to have kids? Yeah. And most people go, well, well, of course it's, it's, and I say, well, why? And then they get stuck. You got stuck on it. You asked. You got, <laughs> so, literally that is the first time I've ever been asked that question. So I want to, I want to process it because jokingly, jokingly half seriously the first thing I did say to you before we started recording is oh it'd be nice to have someone look after me when I'm older mm -hmm. 
is that my real motivation? No. <laughs> um, so let me think through it. Why kids? I don't know. I, I mean, one, I, I do feel that pressure, like as a woman coming of that age, being in a serious relationship with a man I, I deeply love and value. Um, it does feel like that's what I should do. I know that I feel oh, that. Oh, look at, look oh, at that. I know. I, I know. You I said do. should. Yes, I know. You said I'm, should. I know the language, right? It should well, I, be. Yeah, I know. It should be a want. Yes. Not so a should. I also should own a home. I also should blah, 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 a million other things. So I know that there's this societal pressure that is weighing on me. Why else? I, but then I, then there's a part of me that, um, that kind of pictures what life might be like. And we're talking about expectation versus reality. So it's funny that I'm thinking about this. This is my expectation essentially <laughs> of what having a child with Andrew would be like, and it's not going to be anything like this, is it? Here's my expectation is we have a beautiful baby and we're in this like love triangle, right? We love our baby. Andrew steps up and he's this amazing father. And we're just it like, we're so in love because we share this baby together. And we're, that's where it stops. Like, and then I see, okay. Then later I see a little cute little, let's say it's a little girl running in like the garden and, and I'm picking flowers with her and it's all, it's like a movie. My idea is like a movie. The sun is shining on our faces and like, we're, <laughs> I'm looking at Andrew in, in the house or working in the shed or doing his thing. And it's like, it's like a fantasy that that's what would make us a family. Now, part of me does want to have a child because I guess I have those hormones in me that are like, you know, calling for yeah. that, um, truly. And then, you know, we've talked about it, Andrew and I were like, yeah, we, we want to have a child, but we're, we're afraid. And what, what would that mean for a relationship? And, and then I see all my friends that have children and uh, their relationships are not as strong. And, and that's usually because, well, statistically, you know, the lowest level of satisfaction in a relationship is after the first child. And that is because you're trying to keep baby alive and all of the attention pretty much goes on the child. And as a men exactly. coach, I hear that one of the biggest complaints from men in that situation is they feel ignored, uh, underappreciated. Uh, they don't feel valued. They certainly don't feel like their uh, woman looks at them with any kind of sexual desire or lust. So they usually emotionally distance from each other. The emotions all go towards the child and the relationship can fall apart or they can manage through it and make it work. And so my fantasy yeah. of what having a child with Andrew would look like has more to do with the feeling. It's, it's weird that I'm recognizing this now. has more to do with the feeling of us being in love then what is actually going to happen when there's a baby that I need to take care of? How do I manage my work? And can I still keep the same income coming in? And is Andrew going to be uh, energetic and wanting to roll around in the sheets with me? Or is he going to be effing tired? Or like, what, you know, what am I actually wanting from my life? And it's fascinating to have this conversation with you because I don't know. The exactly. Look at the, how the power of one question 
yeah. ask the right way at the right time in the right circumstances, which is what coaches do, yeah. asking you the why, right? And you you brought up a, a whole variety of things. And by the way, when you closed your eyes and you started imagining it, that's the distortion part of yeah. the human brain, right? So we need to distort that's life if we I want to achieve things. The thing is, is that you're right. It's a Hallmark movie. It, nobody talks about the sleepless night, the, the losing uh, of your body, the whole thing. And when you brought at the beginning, when you brought Andrew's reaction, he said he puked in his mouth. The oh, yeah. Is, he's just that, like, Ugh, I don't know. Exactly. Right? So <laughs> here's here's the, the, the from the side of a man. OK, so basically, I'm going to once again be the bad guy here. No man. Very rarely. I'm not going to generalize here, but, you know, generalization is the thing. Very rarely. There are some men out there that do want to have kids and they grow up and they're, they're great family men. I've met two of those people in my entire life, uh, guys that wanted to have kids stay at home and do these things. But no man grows up wanting to be a husband and have kids. They don't they, they we don't have that into our psyche when we grow up. We agreed. get to. A, yeah, agreed. Right. Yeah. Right. And then we meet the right woman, which, you know, sees us, desires us and do these things. And men were designed to provide. So at one point, the woman by the pressure or whatever comes in and says, I want to have kids. And mm -hmm. then we go, oh, because one of the most important thing for men is freedom. We yeah. love to do the things to do. But then there's three steps that I've realized personally in my life and in the people that I coach and I counsel with is three things is one that when the two the man and the woman meet everything they're having sex everywhere they're going on adventures everything is great all of these things there's the first change that happened when they move in together mm -hmm. life changes then there's less sex it's more film the law of familiarity comes in right and then, you know, you start seeing sides of the other person you weren't seeing because you were only seeing them part time or yeah. you all had the this separate place where you could go and be yourselves. Right. That's the first one. The <laughs> second one is when you get married. Yeah. I mean, change there. Right. It, it, it starts again. The man is like, OK, now I'm married. Uh, what about that sex or what about that? we got to go do these things or can I go with my buddies? No, no, no. You're married now. You know, I just want to quickly interject because someone made this uh, distinction to me and it's like some people feel that marriage is like the goal, whereas when you marry someone, it's actually truly the start of your relationship. It is. Some people it is. view it almost as the end, right? So Yeah. And then the third time, the third step, the third change is when you have kids. And once again, biology and, and, and conditioning and everything steps in, the husband becomes number three. Basically, he yeah. went from being number one to being number three, because yeah. now it's the mom, the kid, and then the husband for whatever's left at that. Yeah. What happens to men when they talk to me or when they realize, and we call this midlife crisis, is they go is like, man, everything's serious now. I can't go because now I'm a dad. I can't go play hockey. I can't go and do the things that I used to do and have fun and do all these things. It's all about seriousness. And then I say to my wife, I'll take care of the kids and you can go in with your friends and we can square off. And some women are really good at this, but most women go, no, because you can't take care of a kid. Like, you know, like I got to feed him. I know what he needs or she needs or whatever. And all these things. Mm -hmm. And what happens is that the two people start losing themselves within this thing. Yeah. Now that's why it's so important that we have these conversation for both people of why do you want to have kids? What does that look like? 
and yeah. to actually do the research with people who do have kids. Cause I remember I'll take a personal experience for me with my son's mom, who I'm now divorced from and I'm remarried is that at the time we had a lot of couple friends that had two kids. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, the conversation was always around, you should have another, you should <laughs> have another. And me, I, things weren't going well. And then me, I was looking at the men in those relationships yeah. and they had dark circles. They weren't happy. They were tired. The mom was tired. Everybody was tired. I said, I don't think that looks like a good thing. Oh, they'll play together. They'll do these things. And when I asked men on the, you know, in private, like, are you really enjoying things? And they were saying like, dude, I don't have time for myself. I don't even exist. I'm just, I'm just a robot here kind of providing, going to work, doing these things. And then when I asked, the, the, the mom, seriously, I said, do you have time for yourself? Nobody does. And it's normal because you're taking care of a small human yeah. that needs your attention 24-7. Some people, yeah. yeah, they're totally dependent. So expectation is so, we, we all know as coaches, both you and I know that expectation will always get you disappointed because you, you yeah. distort this reality of what's going to happen. Now, intentions are the way to go. We both yeah. know that. So the, the, I think it's about asking the right questions and really not staying at the surface. This is not a topic that you stay at the surface. You must go in depth, both personally mm -hmm. and as a couple. Is that looking so? It's okay to be scared. You should be scared because yeah. I think having kids is the most serious responsibility that we ever, as human, yeah. we, we undertake. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And, and, you know, I obviously as a dating and relationship coach, I'm always advocating for people to think about that question. I don't think that often I've gone and, you know, used a whole session for it. And maybe from now on, I will, I'll, I'll press people a little bit to just understand the significance of it. But, you know, from the day I met Andrew, um, there, there was a shift, like he's the first man I've ever been with where I would even consider it because of who he is and how amazing he is. Like I could see it happening with him. And I'm obviously realizing that, uh, I, and we both know that now is not the right time for us because we're thinking about learning how to paraglide this summer. So, I mean, doing that and having a baby that just doesn't go hand in hand. And I, and, and, and for the ladies out there, you know, mostly men are listening to the show. It's like men are also usually around this age in their like, 30s and 40s are still in like the creation phase of their life like and, and you can comment on this as well but they're still wanting to contribute and and like pursue their like passions and be in the community and be appreciated for the work that they they do and they're still building their lives and building their income and building who they are as a person so if you put a child in the picture there's less time for them to build the identity of what's really important to him. I see Andrew's in that phase. Like he's still creating and he's like an inventor. He's my genius inventor. He's coming up with ideas and thinking about ways that he can improve things and change the world and be an artist and having a child right now would take a lot of that away from him. And that would take a lot of his happiness away from him. Right. Men, right. Men yeah. love to be praised, freedom yeah. and have their woman open. Right. Wait, uh, I call it. Wait, wait. I say, okay. I say, treat men like dogs. Wait. Okay. Yes. Yeah. When they when they come home, be excited to see them. I said, rub their bellies and give them praise. 
And I tell you that you'll keep that man forever, right? <laughs> right. And it's the same thing for, for freedom, right? And a lot of people are, uh, a lot of women out there, and I want to explain freedom. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Freedom doesn't mean, right? A lot of, when I say freedom to the women that I coach, they say, well, what do you mean by freedom? And they go straight to being with other women. This is not what we're talking about. No, the no. freedom for the men to express who they are. This is why we have the, this toxic masculinity yeah. is because men, men like to rough house with their friends. Men like to be silly with their friends. Yeah. Men need to go and, and let these outlets go and be, the thing is, is that when you do have uh, kids, once again, they're beautiful, they're amazing. And having the right woman with you is important. But the thing is that we need those times away, right? Most men, like you're right, they're in creative, they go out there and they're slowly squeezed out, like I said, of yeah. that relationship. So that's why they start to get validation or value raised by themselves, they go where the praises are happening, which is usually in their career, Right. But now I get 50 year old CEOs that are reaching out to me going, Bruno, I don't know, but I'm I'm depressed. I don't know why. And I'm like on paper, I'm successful. I got the family. I got the thing. I got all of these things. And then I, I, I elicit with them. Why do you think that is? And they go, I don't know. Like, you know, like now that the kids are moved out of the house, my, the wife wants me at the house all the time because her role has changed. It's the, she's been a mom all her life. And now the kids are on their own. So now she's missing something. She needs to fill it out. She wants even more demand to be at home. And he's like, dude, now I'm free to go do the things because I don't need to take care of the kids. And now she wants me to come in. So these conversations aren't happening. And when I ask them and we really get down to the bottom, what have we realized is they're doing 100% of the things they don't want to do and 0% of the things they should be doing for themselves. Yeah. And that's when right? people say like, oh, I don't feel motivated. I'm lacking passion. It's not that you're not motivated or lacking passion. It's that you're not doing what builds you up and gives you energy. You're not doing enough of what you love. Um, and this is, this is, this is the reality for the majority of people. We, ex the expectation here is that I'll, you know, I'll find a woman, I'll fall in love. We'll, have a home and a family and we'll be that wonderful couple that has all this beautiful love and energy and we'll have passionate sex all the time and great meals and I'll go away with my butt. It, it's not the reality for most people. No, it's not. It's is not. it possible? Yes. Yes. Yes, yes it's it totally possible. Is. With two people that are highly, highly aware and have an intention of what they want their relationship to be like, but that takes work and energy and effort from two people and they have to be aligned. Like, right. And, and the, the key word here, the magic word you said was awareness, yeah. being aware of your wants and needs. But most people go into a relationship. First of all, they should get married. I think <laughs> you have what you <laughs> and I you get married. <laughs> <laughs> you would be like, it. no, but this is the new research on relationships. I'm like, no, but I heard this. We should, we should have this goal. Okay. Okay. <laughs> would constantly be kind of coaching each other <laughs> exactly but the awareness the self-awareness is basically uh, some part of my coaching as you know is to have people start being first of all honest with themselves yeah. because once again people answer we've been trained in school to one answer right away and yeah. to search for the right answer and when it comes to yourself your own self there's no right or wrong answer there's only the answers. Yeah. And most people aren't aware of their own. They're answering 
projections from their parents and their teachers and everybody um, everybody else that mentored them in their lives uh, and the filters that they've been seen through, they think that's their identity, but it's not. So I asked them, the first step we're going to do mm-hmm. is you're going to start being honest with you, not with me, right? Because you know, you're paying me and everything, this is your space. But I think that if you want to see change, be honest, start being honest with yourself. Yeah. What is it you want? Right. And most people will go, I'll give you the best example that I always give is people that says, would you dance naked in your living room? And pe- most people go, no. I said, why not? Me. That's a resounding yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we do it. <laughs> right. The thing is, is that it's about freedom. Right. But most people will say, no. Do you know why they say no? The answer they give me. What if the neighbor sees me? Oh, totally. Yeah. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. What if? That's exactly the answer. But that gives me the inside, the, 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 the model of their world is basically everything they do is based on the perception of other people looking at them. And that's how I like to define uh, self-esteem or self-worth. It's the perception of what we think others think of us or the perception of yeah. how others view us. And if we feel mm-hmm. like others don't view us well, we usually have a really low self-esteem. So often we're okay. living in this constrained reality based on what we think others are thinking. And usually we're probably really wrong a lot of the time. Right? Oh, we're, we're, I'm going to tell you that 90% of the time we're wrong. And it doesn't matter how other people are seeing you. Yeah. They're seeing you through their model of their world, their yeah. filters, their traumas, their thing and all that, right? It's, it's the same thing of when somebody, you come up with a, a great project or should I do this, right? And people say, ah, oh, you know what? Don't do it. Don't get married or don't have kids, which is not what we're saying today. No. We're just being honest about what is it that you need to be self-aware of. Yeah. And most people are navigating this life with these different personalities that they've created to their entire life. Uh, how do, how do you, how do I show this to my clients? I ask them one question. Are you the same person you are with your wife that you are with me? They go, no. Are you the same person you are with your mom that you are with your wife? They go, no. Are you the same person you are with your buddies that you're not with your, you, that you are with your mom? And they go, no. I said, those are all different masks or different personalities yeah. you created to be able to operate within this world. At one point, you're going to realize it's the midlife crisis, what they call, I call it a pilgrimage. Um, <laughs> the thing is, is that you need, at one point, most people, uh, that I work with realize that they're living the imposter syndrome yeah. because the, the inside blueprint doesn't match the outside. And they're like, how did I get here? Mm-hmm. And they suddenly wake up and they go, wait a minute. Like I got kids. I got all these things. I got all, I should be happy because the TV or the movies or my parents or somebody told me, this is what you need to do. Get the job, get the wife, get the house, get the kids. And then everything's going to be all right. And yeah. then they realized no way. at 40 or 50, things aren't all right at all. No, and I'm, I, I don't even know who I am. I hear, I hear from men a lot. Uh, I ask them, uh, do you operate the same way at work as you do in your relationship? They go, oh no, I'm, I, I bust balls at work. I'm assertive. I'm in charge. I don't take, you know, no for an answer if I need something done. And then I come home to my wife and I, I completely, I'm just a yes guy. I'm a people pleaser. I'm yeah. somehow completely different with my wife 
or my girlfriend than I am at work. And they're like, I don't understand why my relationship's not working. And we're going to talk about polarity at some point too, but like, and then I, I, these guys that are divorced or twice divorced or out of a long-term relationship, very often I'm hearing them say, uh, the last five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years of my marriage or relationship, we, we didn't even touch each other. Everybody's operating on shame and guilt, right? Yeah. Men tell me, Bruno, I do it because if I don't do it, then people are going to say I'm a shitty husband or I'm a bad dad or yeah. I'm whatever. And, and once again, they get lost. They go, I, I, I don't know who I am anymore. Yeah. And then the same thing with the women. I can't go out because if I do go out with my friends and have a good time, then what kind of mom am I? How many times have you heard that? Kim, right? What kind of mom am I if I'm if I'm going out and having fun or a trip to Vegas or all the man, you're human, right? When did life get so serious that we forgot on how to have fun anymore? I know. So my sister, she has two children and uh, one is five and one is three. Um, So in the last five years, and this is actually about double that, but in the last five years that she's had children, let's call it six because she was pregnant before. Okay. So let's call it in the last six years from getting pregnant to now my nephew being five years old tomorrow. Um, her and I have gone away on a sister's weekend once, and that was only a month ago. And that was the first time that she had actually been away from her children in call it six years, six years. It was the first time my sister, and we surprised her for her birthday. In fact, her, uh, her fiance said, uh, he's, his name's Matt. He goes, Kimmy, take Vanessa away for her birthday. She needs it. Yeah, of course she needs it. She's six years late needing it. It was the first yeah. weekend we had gone away just as sisters in six years. Like that is, that's, not criticizing my sister. She's a beautiful mom. No, She's not perfect. I'm not perfect. There's that, nothing she can do about it. It's pro, it's wiring. That's yeah. not enough. That is not enough time for yourself. That's not enough balance or fun. Like we feel that when we start these families, like the expectation is our life will continue kind of as normal, but there'll be a baby in the picture when the reality is our life fundamentally changes and we don't do the things that we love anymore. We don't many of us, right? We don't have the same passion. It's all about responsibilities. Yeah. It's all, like, the, that's all it is. Responsibilities everywhere. Yeah. Like right? Andrew says, if we had a child, then it would be irresponsible of me to go paragliding. And I actually said to him, I said, my instinct is to be like, yeah, that's irresponsible because if you die, I'm all alone. But then, you don't even have a kid yet. <laughs> yeah, I know. But then part of me is like, I'm like, no, you can, you could still do that. Like if you want it, because that's the kind of relationship I want to have and want to build is that we don't say no to the fun things. Like, And then there's this misconception yeah. that women are the only one that can take care of kids because when they leave the kids with the men, with the, the fathers, and they say, you're not doing it right. Of course, mm-hmm. we're not doing it right. One, we don't have any practice. And two, we're men. We we're the ch- You know, you're going to get back home. The kids, all we care about is the kid fed, and alive. Yeah. That's all we care about. That's this yeah. is how our brain works. Yeah. Women are complex, men are so simple. You <laughs> said it earlier. Treat them like dogs. Yeah. Like they're like good boys, right? The thing is is that we go from point A to point B, right? We we can't do two things at the same time and everything. So you tell us, take care of the kids. We're going to go when you come back, 
the kids are going to be alive. This is our, this is our own <laughs> wiring as men, right? Go hunt, go get the food, come back, make sure everybody's safe and all these things. We can't yeah. walk away of that. Same thing as women can't walk away from taking care of the kid and making the kid the priority because the reason why I'm still alive today is because my mom took care of me. This is <laughs> It's that simple. And today it goes into and it translates into once again, it's very important about because we're going to talk about feminine and masculine energy here mm-hmm. is about and then women continue that motherly role towards their husband. Yeah. And then yes. we, we oh, boom. And then we're going we're gonna to fall into that role as get okay, now she's taking care of me. And then at one point she goes, I'm tired of taking care of everybody. And we go, we never asked to be taken care of. You yeah. just kind of put us into that spot and we because we love to give to you and we love you unconditionally we're going to give you everything yeah including our freedom including our our own masculine energy including everything and then you don't recognize polarization what you were talking about earlier then there's this depolarization happening because now there's two feminine energy in the house women say oh you know you i want you to take care of the kids i want you to do this and all these things but what they're basically saying is they want another mom there to help them when we step into that world then they go where's my husband where's this masculine energy that needs to come in and take care and provide and protect and all these things and i'm not talking about traditional roles here we're talking about masculine feminine energy where it's the same thing when a woman goes over to work at a corporate job she comes at the at the house and she's still in her masculine energy, then there's two masculine energy in the house and things aren't happening. And you're saying, what's what's going on? I've talked about this polarity on the podcast before, but for those that are maybe jumping into this episode or going, what are you guys talking about? Masculine, feminine energy. So just, you can describe it after as well, but I look at it as every being on this planet, whether you were born a man or a woman, we all have within us masculine and feminine energy, call it black and white, call it yin and yang typically, and people would argue with me on this, but typically that masculine energy is the more assertive, more domineering, like, you know, jumps into conflict, uh, you know, uh, whereas the feminine uh, energy is a little more emotional and free flowing. And, uh, and so when you have two feminine energies, it could be two men, it could be two women, it could be a man and a woman are tapped into this feminine energy. I always give the example of like, uh, in a, like you and your wife are probably sitting on the couch just trying to pick what to order for dinner. And you're both like, I don't know. And she's like, I don't know. And you're like, well, I don't know what I want. How about Thai? And she goes, no, I don't want Thai. And you go, how about pizza? She goes, no, we had pizza last week. You can't make a decision. Right. And it's just like, nothing's going to get done. Whereas if the two of you are arguing about the uh, meal or, you know, you're also not going to have a decision. So that's two people tapped into their masculine energy. And like, there's no attraction there. Right. It's, it's depolarization. You're right. The, the masculine energy, you know, you brought in, uh, you know, uh, the, 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 the more upfront ones about domineering mm-hmm. and controlling and all yeah. these things. The masculine energy is about fixing solutions, right? Finding solution, fixing yeah. problem. We, we find a big problem. We want to bring it to small. We want to do these things. That's why I want to, once again, self-awareness with my wife, with Sarah, I, she comes into me now and she has two things. She says, I come up, she comes up to me. She says, I just want you to listen. And I'm like, okay, I putting on my listening hat. or she comes in. She says, I'm looking for a solution for this. I need you to help me out. Right. Because before women can help men in that area, because you are hardwired to go right to the solution. And this is why women's biggest complaint is men don't listen. You guys are listening. You're helping to take away her pain and her emotion by solving the problem. When in reality, she just wants to emote 
and have you just touch her and pat her on the back. And she doesn't want you to solve anything because the truth is five minutes later, she'll solve it herself. Right. Exactly. And that's the thing. Right. And and, and I've learned that. Right. And women, the feminine energy is about nurturing, about connecting, about the fluidity of everything. We're directional and very rigid. They're very fluid. So we need to chew. We, like you said, both men and women have both feminine and masculine energy, and we go back and forth. And sometimes it's good to change roles and to do these things. This is a healthy way of going forward. Yes. The problem is, is that when people stay in one energy and it happens in same sex couple as well, just so you know, yeah. it's, it's every human has that. And it's very important to be able to know it. And it's, it, it's a dance. It just happens. Right. So women um, you know, the best description that I had heard um, was, you know, men go from point A to point B. This is uh, this is the village and we're going to go and hunt over there. This is we walk from here and it's over there. That's it. We don't talk. We don't say anything. When we see the prey, we shoot the spear. We did the thing. We come back. Here we go. We did that. Women, it's like berry collecting. <laughs> we're going to berry collecting. So they say. All right. So now, right. We don't talk. Men don't talk. I forgot to say this. Men don't talk to, because we don't want to scare away the prey. We mm. want to be as close as possible to it. Women, they talk about things to scare away the predators that could be out there. And then they tell you, you know what? Don't go to that tree because those berries are poison. Go to the other tree. The berries are blue and they're these things. How and does these it ones look are bigger because the sun falls here and they're blah, blah. They're, you know, exactly. They're and they talk to each other and they connect and they bring the kids and they do these things. And what does it look like in today's modern world? Uh, baby, go get me this spaghetti sauce. It's on aisle six on the left, third shelf, not the blue one. Take the red one and everything. The guy goes, spaghetti sauce. Like, I'll just grab the spaghetti sauce. And you come home and say, here's your spaghetti sauce. And they go, it's the wrong one. What do you mean? There's like 20 of them. Like, you know what I'm saying? So women connect that way. And men, I had to learn to listen. Guys, if you're listening to this, you do not need to remember any of the details. <laughs> you just need to listen for the beginning and the ending. And just be there and hold the space and the presence for your wife or your significant other mm -hmm. to be able to, she's going to figure it out herself. They did these research and studies with kids, girls in kindergarten, when they were talking about their um, uh, um, caretakers, their babysitters yeah. that had braces. Most girls go, oh, my, my, my babysitter also has braces and they connected and they, yeah. they made this thing that's connected. Men will one up themselves. So, yeah. hey, I went to Disneyland for three days. Oh, I went to Disneyland for a week. I went to Disneyland for a month. I stayed at Disneyland for a year. <laughs> this is how we do things, right? It's, it's uh -huh. just a different wiring that we're happening. This is what we're talking about, the masculine and feminine energy. Yeah. And it's very important. It comes down once again to self-awareness, who you are in your couple, when is your strength and your weaknesses, and it should be complementary. I agree. And that I, happens with conversation. Yeah. And I, I coach guys like on, oh God, I lost my train of thoughts on like the, oh yeah, the fundamentals of just active listening and polarity and, uh, you know, validating statements. So again, you're right in the sense that we don't expect you to remember every single detail. We just want you to listen. And then we want you to just say, that sounds rough. That sounds tough. I could totally understand why you feel that way. Even men, if you actually disagree, we're not asking you to agree with us, mind you. We're just asking you to listen and then to validate that 
it's true. That experience and the way we're feeling could be true for us, not necessarily yeah. for you. Right. Yeah. And it's very hard for men at the beginning because you want to fix everything because you love your woman yeah. and you got to bite your tongue and you're like, oh, I Don't can see it. I can if you did this, if you told this, this, if you did that move, if you did that. And the thing yeah. is, is that it's the time where active listening is it's a it's a practice. You need to be yeah. able to be present for your wife yeah. to be able to listen to once again. So that you can achieve more of that reality of the relationship that you're dreaming of and wanting to have. That doesn't exist without both of you being good listeners. It doesn't exist without you having patience with each other, right? It doesn't exist mm -hmm. without you being vulnerable with each other. Mm -hmm. And uh, also you have to learn, men and women need to learn to sit in the discomfort of their partner's emotions. Yeah. So as a woman, it doesn't feel good for me to be around Andrew when he's upset or angry, even if it's not at me. Like yesterday we were driving out to see my dad and he got in my car and he was pissed because he had some <laughs> technical issue on his computer at the end of the day when he was trying to upload something and it was being a bitch. And he was like, he hadn't even had a chance to vent because here's me. I'm on my way to get you. And he's like, oh, <laughs> he's not ready because he's pissed off. He gets in the car. And my tendency is like, oh, you know, don't raise your voice or be, be quiet or, oh, I don't like this energy. But instead, because I understand this, I just let him vent for 20 minutes or whatever it was. Did I remember all the details? No. <laughs> Did I just let him get it out of his system? Yes. Did I validate that that sounded frustrating as shit? I did that. And then he got through that emotion and halfway through the drive, it turned around. We had a great time. We laughed. We arrived at my dad's house. We had a great dinner. My previous self would not have been okay to sit in the discomfort of him being angry in my small little mini Cooper as we're driving out there. I would have wanted to tell him to not be like that. And look, conversely for men, when they're listening to women be highly emotional because we are and we have periods and all the shit that just messes our minds up. Um, it's uncomfortable for a guy to sit there when we're crying or we're upset or even when women are angry. The first thing you want to do is solve it so that that goes away because you're uncomfortable. But in any loving partnership, any conscious relationship, you've got to learn to just hold space for your partner and be okay while they emote because otherwise they shove that stuff down and that's not healthy. So that's exactly what I wanted to add is that what happened is as a man throughout my life, I've been told don't get angry. Don't do this unless except for the times that I served for 15 years in the forces, yeah. use that aggression for a purpose and do yeah. this thing, which was, you know, liberating in a way, but you need to be able to, once again, when I was telling you about freedom of men getting together, letting some steam out and doing these things, because it's so important because so many times to our lives, from our mom, from our teachers, from work, from, and now even more so in today's society, don't show any aggression. Don't be angry. Don't say these words. Don't say, so men are like bottling all of this up. And then they reach out to you and me and they go, I can't take it anymore. And that's when everything blows up. And yes. it's a hundred times worse than what it should have been. And men will self-destruct, basically self-sabotage to be able to get out of this trap that we're in that was self-created and was, you know, because we couldn't express the way that we feel. Yeah. And because once again, we don't want to scare you. And if my wife tells me, you know what, I don't, I don't like this from you. So you need to go somewhere else and do it. Or this is unacceptable. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, is that I'm not talking, you should never accept any violence 
or any aggression or anything like that. But if you are in a healthy relationship, and like you said, I perfectly love the way you reacted to Andrew, was you let him vent. Let him vent. And usually we, we, we men know how to achieve that by working out, um, you know, going out with buddies. Uh, you know, we need a, a physical outlet mm-hmm. most of the time. And for men that are listening to add on the part of women going through their emotion is once again, just like you, that outlet of sitting in it and talking about it. And I'm going to call it stewing here. They're just these things, which men are like, I call it stewing because I'm like, why are you sitting in this? Right? (laughs) Once you go work out or, you know, bump up something or just like scream, just scream it out. Right. And um, the thing is, is that once again, that's just me being a man. But when I allow my partner to just sit in it and I'm going to use the term again, stewing it and everything, that's their outlet, guys. Mm-hmm. That is her connecting to herself, being self-aware and saying, you know that, and then you can say, you know what, just like you said earlier, mm-hmm. I under, I understand. Um, I, I can just imagine how it is, um, you know, and tr- don't try to fix it. That's all it is, right? Because the tree secret to keep a woman, she wants to be seen, heard, and safe. Yeah, that's what it is. So if she feels unseen, unheard and unsafe, she's going to she's going to go away. It's the the same as uh, as a man. If you criticize, you close yourself up and you control him, Mm -hmm. he's going to go away. It might take 10 years. But at one point, he's just going to say, that's it. I've given you everything I could. Now I'm trapped and I feel trapped and I need to go away. I went, uh, you know, to share with your audience. I just came back from a month and a half of driving across Canada on my own. I've listened to 22 books, but the most important thing was I spent a month and a half with myself. Mm -hmm. I have found sides of me that had been so deeply bottled up that I'm, I'm a a completely transformed man. And uh, me me and you, we know Kimbo, you know, and you know, the type of work that I do, but I went, you know, based on, if you want to have an idea, read or listen to the book, uh, the alchemist, but I'm from, Oh, Paolo Coelho. I love that. It was one of my, I've, I've read this book three times, but I've listened to it. it was the first book I've listened to on the road. And it's so relative to what I went through. And yeah. in the book, there's this, this, this quote that the lady that he meets in the desert says to him, every man needs to go on a journey across the desert to mm-hmm. find him this treasure, right? It's all about the philosopher's stone and this treasure. And I, of course, I don't want to spoil it for everybody, but the journey is the treasure. Uh, but the thing <laughs> is, is that it was important. And that's why I'm honest to say that was my midlife crisis because I was self-imposed stuck into this personality that I create of being a father, a husband, a coach, a professional, uh, all these things. And I had forgotten about little Bruno, the Bruno that wants and needs to have fun. The Bruno that wants and needs to have to let loose, to go out into the forest and have fun to go. And that's why the summer is a completely out of context summer for me. I'm going to Shambhala, which is this great festival. It's like the burning man of Victor of, uh, of British Columbia. It's um, I've, I, I would have never agreed to go to these kind of, I was invited many times. I was like, this is for, so now I'm going to go hug trees and hippies <laughs> just so you know, because I'm, I'm all into it and I'm going camping and I'm going and doing heli hikes and I'm doing things that I, I needed to do because those are the things that drive me. And because I'm doing these things, 
I'm already a better dad and a better husband and a better caretaker because I'm being me. What? I, fascinating. And I'm just like totally absorbed in what you're saying. And my question is, how does one go on this kind of journey when they feel financially constrained? when they feel uh, stuck in their job. Tell me how a man, because people are listening and like, ha, that sounds great, Bruno, but I work full time and I don't have money to take a month and a half off to do that. And they're probably angry with you <laughs> because it might feel yes. that you did it and they can't. So how, how does somebody do that for themselves when they feel so programmed and, and stuck, especially financially? Right. First of all, Kimball, you know how I appreciate these incredible questions that you come up with. And that one is so powerful because it's a question and a reaction that I got from people and also my wife. I want to talk to you about that yeah. one. When my wife was telling her coworkers and friend that I was gone on the road, she didn't know when I was going to come back and all these things. You know what the first answers were? You let him go. Oh, gosh. Oh, that's awful. Do you understand this? This is projection. That has nothing to do with my wife, but every... It has to do with the person that was stating this. You yeah. let him go as if she owns me or I yeah. own her, which is not the case. But I understand the question that, and it's a very, very important question. You're absolutely right. A lot of people, most people would say, Bruno, I can't do that. Mm -hmm. I can't do that. I don't have the money and I don't have the, uh, the, 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 the time to do it. And you're absolutely right. Depending on your situation and everything, I'm lucky. I work for myself. I work. I can work from the the the, the road. I had told my clients I was taking this trip, so we had changed some appointments and everything. I did meet some clients on the road as well, so I'm lucky for that. Yeah. Um, financially, I could do it. Uh, you know, also that I I had budgeted for it, and I was very and the gas is super high, and the hotels yeah. are high. Everything is inflation right now, so I don't know why. You know, God called me to go on this trip, but it was really needed. Um, and then I did that for, for the for the to answer your question. You don't need to go away for a month and a half. You don't need to uh, spend a lot of money on this. Here's what I'm going to tell you. And it's because of the society we live in. I'm, I'm going to hold my, my phone here up for everybody is that we're constantly distracted. Mm -hmm. Everybody that I talk to is afraid. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask the audience to just take a few seconds here and to think, when's the last time you actually spent time with yourself in complete silence in the woods or anything like that? When's the last time? Kimbo, you can answer that. When's the last time you spent yourself time with yourself more than five minutes? I'm talking about half a day or even a full day in complete silence with yourself. Okay. I'm an odd case because I do that often. I don't live with Andrew right. and I do work from home. So I have a lot of silent time to myself. Yeah. Um, and that, that, that time is tough for me, by the way, like sitting with my own emotions and being in my own company sometimes feels really easy. Sometimes is, is really tough, but really, if I were to stretch it and say, cause I'm, I'm kind of used to that. The last time that I went out alone and went on a big journey, I used to travel alone. I've been to Egypt alone. I've been to Paris alone. I uh, traveled to Ecuador for two and a half months when I was like 16 alone and, and met people. Um, and so it's been many, many years for me since I've done something like that, which was very like earth shattering for me. I learned a lot about who I was as a person through travel and going places on my own. And it's, it's been a long time since I've done that.
in that so way. Yeah. Here's the answer for this. So once again, you don't need to go on a big journey. Yeah. What I'm going to tell you is this, and I do this with my clients and they're scared. They're terrified of being left. And most of people are going to say, Bruno, the voices, like there, mm-hmm. there's so many things. And I'm like, exactly. And here's so, what I'm going to tell you. And then Those I'm voice- a show after go ahead. I'm, just okay. reminding, I'm reminding myself. Okay. Okay. So the thing is, is that the, those voices, first of all, aren't yours. Once again, they're projections there. You're going to hear your, your parents. You're going to hear your, yeah, like I was hearing my mom, my dad, you know, the, the, my coworkers, everybody, you're bad, this, you're bad, that, and people don't want to hear this. That's why this is so well-designed. We jump on the phone right away to, to, to quiet these voices. But here's what I'm going to tell you. The power is on the other side of those voices. Once you go on the other side, you're going to start hearing your higher self, your true self, right? I'm not being this ascended teacher right now. I'm not being this guru or anything. I'm telling you. Those voices I I refer to my clients, I call it your inner critic. Okay. We don't hear the inner critic. So we distract ourselves in TV and porn and video games and meaningless sex and whatever it is. This is yeah. you're talking about at the beginning. Like it's the most difficult thing of practicing to spend time with yourself. But I'm going to tell you every time that I've done this, like I've done it many, many times in my life. Like I used to go three days to a cottage by myself. I used to go, you know, for my walks and hikes in the wood for myself and all these things. At first, it was very scary. I didn't enjoy any of it. But I'm going to tell you, that's where I did the most healing and self-realization. Mm-hmm. Um, is the awareness comes really high. And now these voices aren't into my head. They're, they're always coming in, the critics, obviously. But now I'm hearing myself and my higher self and exactly who I truly am. And now I can go and I can actually recognize my ego because a lot of people really put a lot of dark connotation, uh, connotation on, uh, on the ego. Listen to me. If you're alive listening to this today, your ego got you there. It's not evil. It's not bad. Your ego got you to get married, to go get a job, to do these things. The thing is, is that today, most people let the ego drive. Yeah. Instead of going, okay, like if somebody cuts me off or somebody says something, the ego is going to show up for self-protection and it's a survival mechanism. So it's going to show up. And then now I recognize it. And I said, okay, is this serving me? Is this the time for the ego? Or is it the time for, you know, the teacher to show up or the coach or, you know, the, 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 the warrior or whatever that is. And now I can say, you know what, ego, thank you very much for showing up. I don't need you right now. I got this. That's the difference. So to answer, once again, to come back and tie a bow on this is that you don't need to go on this big journey, read the book, <laughs> the yeah. alchemist, and then, you know, start setting times for yourself for your own personal journey of finding who you truly are. And you're going to find some really interesting parts of yourself that you don't even know that were there. You know, the inner child, everybody talks about the inner child, that, that kid, that little Bruno is so powerful. It's the most powerful of all my personality. It's the most, the one that it's unconditionally loving that has the most, he's always the one showing up when it's time to for fun, when I'm coaching, believe yeah. it or not, it's little Bruno, because I'm, I'm curious, I want to know more about you. So I ask the right questions. This is how it is. We don't talk about Bruno. That's all no, I we don't. <laughs> exactly. So exactly. I, I wrote down a note because I wanted to come back to this. So, so, so in, in my understanding is like, okay, you don't need this big month and a half it doesn't have to be some huge break or big journey or something expensive. It could be literally 
uh, hours hiking alone or an overnight hike or something you can do on a weekend that doesn't cost a lot of money, but it's just about getting out of your usual surroundings and being with yourself. And I'd say like hours, I would say hours versus oh, it's got, it has to be. Yeah. Uh, and a one hour walk in the woods is like, you know, you're, you're scratching the surface so little, I think it's gotta be something that makes you kind of uncomfortable to do. I, I, that's what I think. I think, you know, I, I can go for a two, three hour walk and, and, and not be a big deal for me. But if I challenge myself and said, I'm going to go on an overnight hike alone, I'm scared because that's many hours of me being with me and who knows what's going to come out. I might go to bed early. I might cry. I might like literally rock like myself into like some anxious state. I don't know. That's a lot. of You time. must be uncomfortable. Yeah. This is, I'm going to tell you, this is going to be the most uncomfortable thing for you to do if you've yeah. never done this. And here's the other thing. There's things you can do to bring you there, right? A lot of people talk about, I'm going to bring one up, fasting. Mm -hmm. You know, people fast, they, this intermittent fasting is good for fitness and all these things. Here's going to tell you, if you read any of the sacred texts across the board, there's fasting involved in there, right? And, and the Muslims, they have the Ramadan. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they have, uh, you know, the, in a Christian, you got the fasting and all these things. I'm going to tell you with my military training, we went to sleep and food deprivation to really find out who you are and how you're going to react when you, you get to meet sides of you when you are fasting that you didn't even know were existing. Mm -hmm. This is what I'm telling you. So it starts with a 24 hours, then it goes to a, a four day and then a seven day. And this is where I'm going to bring it up. I found sides of me. You're going to really meet the real you. This is what I'm trying to convey to the audience, to actually meet the real you. And you can't do that if you're constantly distracted on Facebook or if somebody's with you or talking and all these things. Or go to a retreat. You know, you've heard of those retreats where it's like no talking for seven days. Silent retreats, yeah. People go absolutely bonkers. And most people come out of there and they go, holy shit, I've met someone and they go, who me mm -hmm. and yeah. So please tell me that you have watched the show alone. If you haven't, Oh, my the show alone. so excited to tell you about this. So it's Amazon prime. There's nine seasons now and the show is called alone. And the entire premise of the show is and they usually are survival experts. They, they all are survival experts. They get put into Northern Vancouver Island. And then in later seasons, Patagonia and other places, they get dropped alone in the wilderness with only 10 survival items. And they have to make their own shelter, uh, uh, harvest their own food. And they have nobody there with them. So where do it, I sign up for this? <laughs> it's Amazon Prime, man. It is. So my partner and I have watched almost every single season. So the point I'm making is you're talking about going on this journey to be uncomfortable and like find yourself. And then you're talking about the element of fasting. Well, these people have to catch their own fish and they have bows and arrows to hopefully. I mean, these people are eating mice or a squirrel because that's all they can find. But the outside of like the 
fascination with their survival skills and building traps and uh, creating gill nets and putting shelters together and building fireplaces and using stone tools, which is all fascinating. The biggest challenge every single one of these people deal with is being fucking alone with their own thoughts. And some of them can't even last a night. They hit the, uh, they have a, a radio that, you know, they get rescued as, as quickly as they can because they're also in bear country um, and cougar country and wolf country. And uh, some people go, I miss I can't do this alone. I miss my family. I need to leave. And, and they have, they are the ones that actually, so the ones that leave are the ones that actually have a good shelter built. They have food waiting for them. Um, they actually have some level of comfortability and then they have time alone with their thoughts and they can't do it. And they pull the ripcord and they're out. And if they're trying to see who can last the longest, uh, they get to about 40, 50 days. Uh, and then they win $500,000, sometimes a million dollars. But to watch the mental psyche break down and these people discover who they are and, and have these epiphanies and cry on camera and men are emoting and they're angry and all this shit's coming out of them is like the most fascinating part of watching this show. And they're also put in really, really tough conditions. I mean, they're living out there under a tarp, trying to catch their own food for 40 days straight in rain. I mean, that's going to break anybody down. So I'm not saying you need to go on that journey. In fact, no, it no we're talking about that, extremes, but, right? This is extremes, but watch the show and, and watch these people's psyche and who right. is okay with themselves and who has this optimism, positivity that sometimes makes you go like that person's crazy and watch these other people just get destroyed. It's phenomenal. It's so worth watching. So, so worth watching. Right. And so the point out of this is, which is I'm going to watch now uh, and, and I'm going to find out if I can sign up for this thing. Yeah. So, but the thing, the, the thing, the thing is, is that it comes down to this one thing. People are scared of spending time with themselves. Yeah. What does that tell you? What does that tell you? Right now we're, we we're talking, right. The whole point of this podcast is about relationship and expectation. What does that tell you? Me as a coach looking at this whole thing, if I'm listening to this, I'm going, well, people aren't showing up truly who they truly are. Yeah. They're not, everybody's showing up in a certain expectation, in a certain light, in a certain per, perception of other people's filter and all these things. So if people are personally afraid to spend time with themselves, what does that tell you about how to interact in a relationship? Yeah. How do you interact with the outside world? It usually means you don't really like who you are or know who you are. And you're just like so many guys I talked to and had this one client I brought on my podcast ages ago. He has like seven kids. <laughs> he said, I am finally divorced. And he goes, I have been playing the husband role for over 25 years. He's like, and I couldn't even get that right. He goes, I've been, I've been fitting into some other mold of who I think I should have been for so goddamn long. And it like, it killed him essentially. And it, like, I wrote down a few notes because I want to recap. So I like tying things in or, you know, expectation versus reality. Some of the things that we need to be realistic about is that we have to have such a high level of self-awareness in order to show up and have the kind of relationship we want to have. We have That's to- where I would start. 
we have to, yeah, we have to be. And so that ties into knowing oneself. And if you don't know who you are, when you're with yourself for a long amount of time, you don't really know yourself because you need to know your positive traits that you put out there in the world, which those, you know, but what about the darker side, the shadow self, the shit that comes up when you're not feeling good or you're hungry or you're tired or you feel in love, what part of you comes out then? So know yourself, have that self-awareness. Then you got to be vulnerable, men, women, you got to be vulnerable. You have to share what you're liking, not liking how you're feeling in order to truly connect and have real intimacy. Otherwise, you're not going to have what you really want, right? Because you're, you're only connecting on a superficial level. You've got to find the right person to be vulnerable with first and foremost, you know, men, you're going to, you try and be vulnerable with a woman that doesn't appreciate you. It's going to backfire. And you're going to think that being vulnerable is never going to work for you because in that situation, it doesn't, right. You have to be vulnerable with someone who can love you and hold space for you and love those parts of you. Um, You've got to be able to sit with those uncomfortable emotions, right? To be able to have a long-term relationship. You've got to carve out time for passions, right? And things that make you feel happy, even when it upsets your partner. Even when it upsets- You are not responsible for your partner's emotions. You are not responsible for- I had this question written down. I wanted to ask you from the very beginning. Tell me why it's so hard for a man to say no to a woman. Tell me why. Why men have such a hard time saying, I'm sorry, babe, I can't do that tonight. Or I'm sorry, babe, I need time for myself this weekend. Or I'm sorry, but I can't do that. Or no, I don't want to. Why is it so hard for for guys to say no to women? (laughs) Well, it's part of our wiring. And it starts from... Are you able to say no to your mom? Mm. Are you able to say no to your mom? You can't. You can't because they told you, don't say no to me. You can't say no to me. I'm the adult. I'm this thing, right? And then on top of that, you've been, once again, there's no right or wrong here on how to, first of all, nobody knows what they're doing raising kids. Nobody do. I told that to my 16 year olds. Dad's trying to figure it out as we're going here, but I'm, I got 16 years experience is what I, I'm figuring out. I'm reading the books. I'm doing the things. I went to the courses. I actually took parenting courses and everything when I got divorced and all that thing. But here's what I'm going to tell you. Men are designed and wired to provide and to protect and to do these things. And I'm not being all chivalrous here or a knight in shining armor or anything. We're designed that way to give and to provide. So when somebody asks us to, you know, a, a woman that we care about, and it's all, we, we are so much on, I want to say this because you brought up some really good point where everybody meets, especially when we're young adults, Uh, And then, you know, these hormones kick in and everything. We're all on autopilot. Mm -hmm. Everybody's on autopilot. Oh, man, you know what? I look at this girl and something inside of me happens. That must mean love. Right. (laughs) And then the other person goes, oh, I like that guy. And something's happening inside. We're in love. Right. Remember being teenagers? We're in love. Right. And then you you as you go, the self-awareness comes in because. I, you know, when I had uh, my gym before I became an executive coach here, I had a gym and most of my clients were uh, uh, women and 75% of it was, were women. And they would always come up. I'd see this pattern. I'm a, I'm really good. My, my, my gifts is behaviors and patterns. 
women would come up to me and says, oh man, I met this great guy. He's great. And all these things and all that two weeks later, oh, he's just another asshole. He's just, you know, another thing and all that. And I'm being like, okay. And then, you know, it happens. I was like, yeah, you know, guys are assholes and bitches be crazy. I get it. So, but the thing is, is that when they would come up every few months or so, and it's the same pattern, I would, then I would stop being the coach that I am, the caregiver that I am. I would say, where do you meet these guys? Like, where was your, you know, and I would try to, for them to elicit these patterns that they would have, mm -hmm. which would be, what do you want in a guy? And I'm going to tell you the answer from what most women are always, I just want a nice guy. Then I would go and pull up or I would point to some of the guys in the gym and I would go, what about this guy? And they go, oh, no, 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 not him. Oh, no, 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 not him. Oh, no, not that guy. Come on, Bruno. He's got to be good looking. He's got to be, oh, 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 that's what I was asking you. What do you need in a guy? And actually, I would get them to, this is when I would step out of my fitness coach to be yeah. that. I would start to get them to write a list of the things that they would, they want and need from a man. And they would be surprised by mm -hmm. the answers. They would go, oh my God, I need all of these things. And I'll go, yeah. Now I turn the page around and I say, where would you meet one of those guys? It's not over at the bar. Love it. It's I have an exercise exactly like that. Yeah. Exactly. Right. So where do you would meet that? And then the last question was, oh, oh, yeah, I could meet him. You know, they would answer, I could meet him at work or I would meet him at this hobby or whatever mm -hmm. and all these things. I would get, okay. Now the last powerful question, which was the one that would wake people up, who do you need to be to attract this person? That question right? is in my worksheet too. I love it. It's so honest. <laughs> right? So who do you need to be to attract this person? It's the same thing for men that you're out there, right? Obviously, women are extremely beautiful. They got, they're pressing all the buttons because we only got one button, <laughs> right? So we, we're looking at that. But actually, if you sit down, right, and we say we're that simple, but we're also looking for intimacy, yeah. understanding, openness, all these things, right? Write the list of the woman that you need, that mm -hmm. you want, that you can design for, and then go and find out where she hangs out and then do who do you need to be to attract this person? Because if you want somebody who is a business entrepreneur lady, who's a kick-ass chick and all these things, are you working out? Are you the type of person she would be attracted to? Exactly. Right? I say this because so many men that, that do choose to work with me or at least are interested in learning how they can change their relationships or attract quality women. I, I usually like, I, I also call myself a life coach because I say, well, what are you doing in your life right now? And let's be real. Not all my clients. A lot of them are saying, well, I work and I work from home and uh, you know, I don't have much of a social life. And I'm not saying these people aren't good people. These are great people, but they're the types of women they're wanting to attract are developing themselves or they're taking courses or they're out taking tennis lessons or they're, they're living an active lifestyle. And so when in this exercise, it does flip back on them and say, well, two things, what's blocking you from becoming this person? And what do you need to do to become the type of man that's naturally going to attract these women to you? Because exactly. it's hard to do that when you don't leave your house. I mean, it's impossible to do that when you don't leave your house. You know, you're flying too much on a dating app. And, and unfortunately, your energy and aura doesn't protrude very far out of a dating app. So We're living in a society. This is what I'm going to tell you. Our brain, our basic needs is to always find the path of least resistance. 
Yeah. That's why we create things to go better. But the thing with the dating apps and all these things, and I don't say anything bad about the dating apps because that's where I met my wife and on Tinder. Yeah, on exactly. Tinder. So that's great. But, <laughs> but we had a different profile and a different approach to it. That's for sure. Me and you, Kimbo. Yeah. Uh, but the thing, the thing, the thing is, is that uh, people are always looking for the path of least resistance and they're sitting on the couch and they're looking at, I'm going to speak as a man, you're looking at all these, these dimes, what we call them, these tens, right? You're like, oh yeah, man, that's, that's these. And then they go click on that and then let's talk and everything. And there's so much, once again, expectation. Yeah. People are always projection, projecting what they should be. And they're not doing the work. Everybody's expecting high elite results with substandards quality of, you know, of habits and all these things. Yeah. And, and listen, the, the average bear out there, right. We're just going to take that, right. When people say, how can I be better? I said, well, most high performers and CEOs read anywhere between 50 to 60 books a year, mm -hmm. the average bear 1.5, they make 375% more income than the average person. Do you think it's related? They work out on a daily basis. They eat well on a daily basis. They have a system yeah. that gets them to be able to operate at that high level. Now, I'm not a, a, a CEO, high performer um, groupie. I'm all about like, actually, I've changed myself personally, especially after this trip. I'm yeah. all into the being the, the more into a self-awareness and Zen-like life. Yeah. So the right balance and the right everything, because I'm right actually, I, yeah, yeah, because I'm coaching up. these CEOs that focused on career and success. And then they get to a certain point at 50 years old, they turn around, where's the family? Where's my health? Where is all these yeah. things? Where did that all go? Because they let that go on the side. Yeah. So once again, just to bring it back to the conversation was self-awareness. What are you doing to attract the right partner? Yeah. And how can you attract the right partner? If one, you don't even know yourself and then you don't even know what you want out of a partner. You're just on autopilot. Autopilot sets up expectation. You're going to get disappointed. You're not going to show up as the true you. She's not going to show up as the true her. And then all of a sudden, after the, the, the flame and the spark and everything has run away, then things go, wait, wait a minute. Who am I? Who's in my bed? Like, yeah. Who, who am I married to? Who's this guy married? They, yeah. I oh, hear we know how to fix this. Let's have some kids. Oh. <laughs> Uh oh, that uh -oh. totally takes us full circle, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Which is probably a good time for us to wind down because we could gab so much longer, but it's been an hour and a half. And um, yes. uh, I know you got stuff and I've got stuff, but wow. I mean, I don't know what people are taking away from this. I think a lot. We started, you know, on the journey of do you even want kids and why do you want them? But also understanding, you know, what are you expecting from your relationship versus even what you're giving in order to get that. Because, I mean, I believe in the universal, you know, laws, 12 laws of the universe. And I, I do very much believe that what we contribute and what we give to the world comes back to us. And yes. it must be an exchange. There's an exchange. And if we are really unsatisfied in our lives and we're unsatisfied in our environment and we're unsatisfied with our job and we're unsatisfied with our friends and we're unsatisfied with how we eat and we're unsatisfied with our family dynamics, 
then how can you expect to have like some bang in 11 out of 10 woman just drift into your life and everything get magically fixed? She can't do that for you. Uh, she can't do that for you. You got to do that for you. You got to do that for you. Yeah. Right. And it's the same thing from the other side, right? Uh, there's this pressure put on women uh, from society to look like a, a, a 10 24 seven uh, and, you know, and look a certain way and act a certain way and everything. And once again, it's, it's unsustainable. Yeah. None of it is uh, sustainable. Nobody can be a hundred percent performing in a, your car can't even do that. Machines can't even do that. Why would human be expected <laughs> to perform at a hundred percent all the time? You need yeah. downtime. You need all these things. And once again, self-awareness. Yeah. I love it. So snip snippet of what you're primarily focusing on right now. Um, and then give me all your updated links again on where people can reach out to you because I know they're going to. So. Okay. Awesome. Thank you. So first of all, this has been amazing and you're right. Me and you, when we start, we, yeah. we have a hard time. But I am, but you know, forgive me. <laughs> um, <laughs> lucky for me, um, you know, as I grow into my uh, personal life, I grow into my coaching. Uh, you know, I first started as a fitness coach, uh, you know, after my military career, I first started as a fitness coach, then I became and you know, speaker and executive coach working for corporate, working yeah. for companies, all these things, building teams, you know, using my military skills to be able to do that. And then I actually realized that I was injured because that's why I got out of the military. I needed to work on my own healing. Mm -hmm. So now what I do work uh, in it, I still uh, am an executive coach, but it's more focused on self-awareness and self-realization because I'm finding that that's the missing point right now. There's a lot of healing that needs to happen both personally, uh, you know, uh, locally, community, as a country, as a planet, there's healing that needs to happen. We're so divided and people, it, 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 there's no, you can't heal other people. You need to be able to heal yourself. Nobody's coming to save you. You're your own savior. Yeah. And uh, I struggle with that. I was, the, I had, was struggling with the savior complex. I was saving everybody else, but myself. So yeah. now I'm in the airplane, putting on the oxygen mask on me. And I'm lucky to be able to deliver that to my clients, to help them figure themselves out, uh, basically creating catalysts without the catalyst in real life. Uh, and figuring that out. So they can reach out to me on uh, at brunoguvermont.com, on Instagram, uh, brunoguvermont, on Facebook. Uh, those are the best place, obviously. They can listen to my podcast, the Battle Plan Podcast. It's more geared towards veterans and first responders and all these things, because that's where I come from. Um, but we, we're going to share, we're, we're sharing a lot. Uh, you're on that and we'll get you back. Um, and basically, yeah, just reach out and, and ask me your questions. I'm always... Uh, uh, open to answer questions. I've never not answered um, anybody that has sent something to me. So um, that's amazing. That's yeah. awesome. If you're not reaching out, this is what I tell to everybody. If you're not reaching out and asking me the questions that are important for you, it's you're making a choice. Yeah. Right. You're deciding to stay stuck. Don't stay stuck. You got Kim over here. That's an expert in relationship and an expert in, in life. Uh, me and you, every time that we talk, man, we find so much about each other. We can't stop. Like, look yeah. at this. It's, we're still going. And then, but, but basically once again, it's about, if you decide to not reach out, you're making a choice. So yeah. start making better choices. Yeah, exactly. That's a perfect place. And thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of the self-confidence project and look forward to releasing another one next week. Ciao.